We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm Steve Rich, joined as always by Dusty Evely, Sarah Keller. What is going on, guys? Number one seed in the NFC. Good God, does it feel good. Sarah, how are you doing in Florida? I'm great. I am so happy that the Packers are the number one seed and that uh, they have a bye this week. It it was the game was a little more stressful than I would have liked, but hey, they got the job done in the end, and I'm feeling great. I know the team's feeling great, and everyone that is a fan of the team is feeling great. So this is awesome. It's a great year to be a fan of this team because they're doing so many amazing things, and I'm just glad to be on the ride. Yeah, same man. I feel amazing. Uh, like I said, that game game was certainly closer than I kind of hoped it was going to be, and certainly closer than the final score made it appear. Uh, but man, some some good plays, just a fun game overall, and number one seed. And beyond that, I mean, listen, the wild card weekend is this weekend. Three games per day. And no stress for Packers fans because the Packers do not play. It's more games than normal, and we get to just 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 watch the whole thing with no stress. I am just thrilled about that. Just a full slate of playoff games, and I can just sit back and go, "Well, I'll be stressed next next week, but this week I'm fine." So it's just the the whole thing is is amazing. I'm I'm riding very very high. Well, that's cool. You guys just kind of basically took my next segment and just did it in your intros mm-hmm. so i mean i was gonna do your recap of the bears game how you felt about it but apparently we did that already so 
Um, I'm not bitter about the over under at all. So mm-hmm. well, that's that's not bleeding into this. That's not what this is. It was it was a fun game to watch. So let's be honest. Anytime the Packers can kick the Bears' ass, that's what you want. And it was the perfect last play of the game to deny Mitch <laughs> Trubisky his first touchdown pass, not have Jimmy Graham score a touchdown, and have the five foot ten Jair Alexander be the one tackling six foot five Jimmy Graham right at the goal line. So I thought it was a great game. It was a lot of fun. Uh, good good things for the Packers to do. So, oh, God, let's do this. Jumping into the over under the uh, Mitchell Trubisky touchdown passes that we had for our prop bet. What, what was that? Lost. What was the over under, Steve? And what did you take? I I, I the over under was set it was set at two and a half, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm a little annoyed because basically the last two weeks I knew the correct answer, but in order to try to make up ground, I had to pick the incorrect answer. So kind of mm. sucked, but um, yeah. yeah. Does that I have, sound like an excuse? Is that is Sarah? I don't know. To you, does that sound like the Giants watching that Sunday night football game? Is that what that sounds like? That's what that sounds like to me. <laughs> okay, can actually somebody break that down? I did not watch the Sunday night football game at all. What the hell happened? Like, I just saw people complaining about you know the six and ten. Giants complain like, well, you didn't try. I mean, to boil it down, basically the the Eagles the Eagles benched uh, Jalen Hurts, who was not playing well, but they benched him for Nate Sudfeld, and so it was this. Well, you know, they didn't try. Now the Giants are salty. But how, listen, how early did that happen? Uh, late third, early fourth, I think. I mean, listen, Jalen Hurts was less than 50% completion percentage. He ran for two touchdowns, but he had like 77 yards passing on the day. Like, he was not looking good, but Nate Sutfeld was worse. But also, <laughs> from the Eagles' perspective, they if they win that game, they have the ninth pick overall. If they lose that game, they have the sixth pick overall. And I don't know how you're upset about, like, well, this 6-10 and 10 team, that means they didn't make the playoffs. Well, win more games, I guess. I don't know what to tell you. Win more than six games, and you have a chance to play. <laughs> That's basically what it was. It was they benched Jalen Hurts, uh, and that was a big kerfuffle. Big kerfuffle, Steve. Well, unfortunately, since Dusty and Sarah both picked the under on Trubisky's touchdowns and I had the over... That means I have officially lost the regular season prop bet. I tried to push it into the playoffs, which I, uh, Sarah and Dusty both yelled, stop the count. So I am officially the loser of the prop bet. However, we have no punishment. So tonight, I think all three of us will put out a tweet about what should be my punishment for losing the prop bet for the regular season. And uh, hopefully we'll find something that'll actually work because I'm not 100% sold on the shot of the whole shot. Was it hot sauce, Tabasco sauce? Tabasco sauce, yeah. Okay. I'm not fully sold on that. That I'm starting to think about the um, the repercussions of what would happen mm-hmm. to outside of my stomach. Where else that? Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not fully sold on that. So if anybody else has other ideas, I am definitely open to it. And one thing I'll tell you again, like singing is not a thing that's ever going to happen for me on the Internet. So food wise, probably a a good option and things like that. But, yeah, let's come up with some punishments for me and we'll see if we can pick out the best one. So it is a bye week for the Packers, which is just outstanding. But now that means we need to come up with our own content which, you know, we're, we're super awesome, man, which is why we always ask you guys for mailbag questions, which, number one, you delivered on. But fun fact, we came up with our own topic for the night. So we decided to talk about our favorite 
and the least favorite moment from the 2020 Green Bay Packers season. So let's start with the fun stuff and talk about your favorite moment from the season. So, Sarah, we're going to start with you. What was your favorite moment from 2020 Green Bay Packers? So there are obviously a lot of fun moments this season, but I think one of the moments that stands out to me is the Aaron Jones touchdown where everyone, it seemed like, on the team was running down the field with him, specifically MVS and uh, David Pachtiari, all the way 70-something yards down the field to block um, for him. And obviously he scored on the play, but it was just so cool. It was like an ultimate team touchdown. I mean, MVS was with him every step in the way. We saw David Bakhtiari run faster than I think any of us thought (laughs) he ever could. And then you saw Aaron Rodgers running down. Devontae Adams cut across the middle to come over and join in on the fun. So I just really love that. And I think it really – drew the picture of what the Packers season was like and how it's really been a full team effort. It's taken a lot of different guys to make things happen. And that touchdown play um, was just that. And yeah, that was definitely one of the highlights this year. Yeah, I, I could go with um, like, legitimately the entire Titans game just because it was Lambeau in the snow and it was just the whole week. It was going to shut down Derrick Henry. And they housed the Titans in the snow and it was amazing. But I'm going to go... Uh, week 12 against the Bears, the touchdown to Robert Tunyon. And the reason for that is that's a – it was off of uh, – it was a variant off of PA, uh, PA bootleg concept. And it's something I've been kind of, you know, looking for more of during the season, kind of looking for those variations, and just try to break them out. So during that play, you have that uh, play-action bootleg kind of mechanics going. And then Rodgers pulls up on a half boot. And I was like, he's got someone deep. He's got someone deep. And so when it landed on the arms of Tunyon, I, I got very excited because it was this you, – you, you could see them just setting that stuff up all year, all year. And then they just start to break that out. And when they did, just seeing seeing those tendency breakers be successful is just hugely exciting. So, I mean, beyond that, being against the Bears and going to Tunyon, just just being able to kind of see that as it's developing was was really exciting to me. I mean, just that game as a whole was awesome. But that's I think that was my favorite, one of my favorite plays of the year. I'm gonna go with. Uh, selfishly because I lost the prop bet. I think I'm going to make myself feel better and talk about AJ Dillon and how awesome he was in the game, you know, where, where he's featured in the game over a hundred yards, two touchdowns, all that kind of stuff against the Titans. Like that was, that was just outstanding. And I I'd been calling for him and all of us had like maybe give him a chance at the goal line started there. But I mean, that pick is, it seems to have been, somewhat validated at this point <laughs> and we're calling for him in the playoffs a little bit more and things like that so that was just my favorite was you know you see the guy finally get a chance and when he gets that chance he just took full advantage of it it was just it's really cool to see when you you start to get older and you see these young kids get in the league and you're like oh my god this is like a 21 22 year old kid and all of a sudden he's in lambo and he's scoring two touchdowns he's doing lambo leaps into an empty stadium and also like just the whole culmination of all of it was really really cool and it was a fun game like Dusty said fun game but it was just a fun moment to see him have all those things happen to him um so that was really cool i i really enjoyed that so let's uh let's move on sarah least favorite moment yeah this moment lasted a long time and it was the second aaron Rodgers threw his first pick um against the bucks to the very end of that game that was just pain all around i'm also living in florida obviously i have a lot of friends that are bucks fans so it just wasn't a good time for me one to watch the game two to have to write a recap about that game when i was 
very angry. And then three, to have a bunch of people blowing up my phone. Oh, Brady's the goat. We won. Aaron Rodgers sucks. So, yeah, that that wasn't a good day. That was a low of the season for me. Yeah, I think we're all picking from the same game. <laughs> my least favorite was that pick six. I mean, the Packers were riding high. Uh, you know, they're coming out of the bye. They're 4-0 out of the bye. They roll into Tampa. It's kind of, you know, hyped throughout that bye week. We got to hear a whole bunch about it was it was Rodgers versus Brady, but the Packers were 4-0, man. It was feeling good, and they come out and, you know, two scoring drives early, 10 nothing, and then that pick six, and then uh, uh, Steve's going to hit on a little more, but, I mean, the wheels just fell off after that point. I mean, it, it, a couple more plays later, the wheels really fell off, but that was the one. I mean, that, that's been the step. What Rodgers had two pick sixes throughout his entire career, and then he throws that one on a play that they've completed, you know, a thousand times, just a, a simple little outright to Devontae Adams, gets jumped, taken back to the house, and you could just feel the energy kind of go, and then it just, just all went downhill from there. But, yeah, that, that pick six after that 10-0 lead coming out of the bye, I was feeling – that was like a maybe sixteen and zero, man. I don't know. This team's looking unstoppable, and then it it went downhill very quickly. Uh, yeah, this is definitely a theme for us. We won the entire Bucks game basically, <laughs> but um, my thought was that second pick that Rogers threw that bounced off Adams' hand uh, after the pick six. You're like, you know, what? okay, ten seven, still okay. The Packers are still okay. They're they're in a good position. They're they're gonna drive the ball. They've they were doing well. They were making good plays, and all of a sudden, it, it just—it was like a cliff. You just took one extra step and fell off the the cliff completely. And that happens. Like that happens in NFL games all the time. Like all of a sudden, you're just you're just done. Like the momentum is switched completely, and it's over. And it doesn't happen too often in a Packers game when they play with Aaron Rodgers. So I think that was the more shocking aspect of everything to it. But. Again, you're, you're 13 and three. You're, you're cherry picking bad things that happen. Like Aaron Rodgers threw two picks in a game, and we're like, oh my God, this is the worst thing that happened the entire season. <laughs> yeah, we had a pretty damn good season. Yeah. The Packers did. So, uh, but yeah, that out of out of everything that to all of us apparently seemed to be the, the worst was that, that one game. So, Sarah, it's Tuesday. McAfee show. Dusty and I did not get a chance to watch today, so uh, break it down. What, what did uh, what did the future MVP talk about today? Yeah, so you know the news first broke last week on the Pat McAfee show that Aaron Rodgers was officially the 2020 NFL MVP. So nice to see him back on the the show that broke that very news a week later. Um, but basically, you know, it is the bye week, so they asked Aaron Rodgers, "What are what are you going to do?" And he said, well, you know, I'm in Tahiti right now. I'm just hanging out. <laughs> but he tried to make a little joke about it. But he said he's going to do absolutely nothing, that he's just going to be at his house um, doing squats, taking naps, reading. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> so he said he might watch a couple of the games, but he thought he doesn't know who's going to be their opponent yet. And he said, I'm going to have to watch film on them anyways. So might as well just wait till I actually have to watch film um, and prepare for the game. He also talked a lot about his body and just how he's feeling this season. You know, he's getting older, but he's made a lot of changes to his diet and his workout plan in the off season. So they dived into that a lot. Um, and he said, you know, in all the years of that he can remember in his recent memory that he feels great, and he said he hasn't been on – he wasn't on the injury report, knock on wood, one time this whole season, and that was that he didn't even miss a practice. You know, he said in some of the recent years, he 
his shoulder would be sore. So maybe he would, you know, take it easy at practice and miss a, a practice here and there just to rest. And he said, I didn't even need to do that. His body felt so great throughout the year. Uh, so, and then he added at the end, which I loved. So I think, you know, the old man has a, a few years left in him. Um, <laughs> so I'd love to hear that. I mean, especially if he's playing, if he continues to play the way he has this year, I think, uh, I, I think it's going to be nice for him. So, those were two points. And then the final one that I thought was absolutely hilarious was they were basically asking him, well, how is it when some of these younger guys that you're playing against now have watched you play for years and years and, you know, you've been a, a quarterback that they've grown up with that now they're playing against you or playing with you. What are those conversations like? And he said, yeah, it happens. He said, every now and then in a TV timeout, somebody on the other team will walk up or walk right behind them and be like, dude, you're my favorite quarterback. Like, <laughs> I love you. Or like, you're my goat or something like that. And he said, you know, it, you get used to it. He said in the last few years, especially as he's gotten older, it happens a lot more. Um, but my favorite part of that segment was that Devontae Adams apparently got his first one of those uh, recently. <laughs> And Aaron Rodgers said that him and Devontae were standing on the sideline during a TV timeout and that uh, somebody on the other team, like, walked over and said, like, yo, Devontae, like, you guys, like, love you guys. And Devontae, like, you're my favorite, like, wide receiver in the league. Like, love what you do. And he said Devontae got, like, pissed and was like, I- I'm not that old yet. Like, <laughs> I just thought that was really funny and the way that he told the story I would definitely go back and listen because you could just kind of picture the whole thing happening and like the, <laughs> Devontae Adams has such personality in that way I kind of imagine him if you've seen the video of him waving off Matt Schneidman for not wearing the correct color jumpsuit <laughs> at practice that that really just dismissive wave like I can't believe you you said that that's kind of what I imagined he did in that moment but another great episode and Excited for next week since we'll actually know um, who Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are going to face. And the only other news and notes that kind of came out this that came out today was Hall of Fame finalists, and there are two Packers, former Packers that are on the list, and we've got Woodson and Lee Roy Butler. So, should we do over under on uh, how many of them get in or what? Like we we can do that, right, guys? We can we can do an over under prop bet and uh, see if we can continue on. Leave that it, Steve. Right? Leave. <laughs> it's done. You lost, buddy. You lost. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I think um, I really want those two guys to get in together, man. I mean, Butler's been a guy we've all been pining for that belongs in the Hall of Fame for years. If him and Woodson go in the same year, that would just be just party in title town, man. Uh, just it'd be amazing just be just amazing all right so since it is the bye week the extra bye week for the packers we are doing a super mailbag what did we decide the term was did we not super mailbag okay so lots and lots of questions from you guys on twitter and thank you again as as always for for delivering because every once in a while we're like oh god what the hell are we gonna talk about and then we get like seven million questions and we're like okay we have way too much to talk about so which is why we always end up going over an hour for our pack a day podcast that's supposed to be 20 minutes but let's get going to it because uh you guys again delivered and and gave us some good questions so we are going to start out with sean franken you can only pick one QB and one wide receiver. What dream combo are you going with? 
For your quarterbacks, you have uh, Bart Starr, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and wide receivers are Hudson, Sharp, and Adams. Uh, uh, we apologize to Jen Mackey that uh, Jordy Nelson is not on this list, but, you know, had to be done. So, Dusty, we're going to start with you. What is your dream combo? This was tough, man. Um I mean, quarterback was easy. I'm going Rodgers. Uh, I think Rodgers is is the best out of that group. Uh, I, there's no doubt in my mind about that. So I'm taking Rodgers. And then for the wide receiver, it was tough, man. I want to say Hudson. Um, but, you know, that was before any of our time. And there's <laughs> not a whole lot of video. And so, for, I mean, from what I've seen and the numbers he put up, I mean, especially in that era, are just just hugely gaudy. Uh, and Adams is, is clearly doing amazing stuff now, but I'm going to go, I'm going to Sterling Sharp. And maybe some of that is nostalgia on my part, but uh, Sharp is a guy, when you're talking Packers, like very talented guys that were never quite got the career you kind of hoped for and Sharp's due to injury. Sharp is on top of that list. I mean, just an absolute monster. Uh, fast, strong, huge. It's something when, uh, you know, Shannon Sharp went into the hall and in his Hall of Fame speech said, uh, you know, I'm not even the most talented member of the Sharp family here. Uh, Sterling was was on another level. I think watching Aaron Rodgers and Sterling Sharp uh, would just... I, him and Adams are doing great things. I think you could destroy the league with that duo. So I'm going to go Rodgers and Sharp. So I went back and forth about the two of them as well. Um, for me, I definitely just would want to see Sharp. So that's who I'm going to go with at wide receiver. I think I obviously love Devontae Adams, but I'm kind of thinking too, like if this is a dream, it's you know not realistic, obviously. And I've seen Rodgers to Adams. So I, you know, I would pick something differently. And I kind of went with that same logic when thinking uh, with a QB as well. Um, so I would go star and sharp just because I think that's so interesting. Um, but Rogers and sharp would be a really close second. Well, this is kind of fun because we're all going to go with the same wide receiver, but different quarterbacks Ooh. because I think I would go with Favre and sharp just because I love watching Rogers play. I love the, the fun that he has and you can see him smiling and you can see him getting pissed off, but on some level, I miss the the Brett Favre like childlike actions of like picking up wide receivers over his shoulder and carrying them around and doing all those things. And if you can get um, Favre and Sharp in their primes, and Brett Favre just you know maybe not addicted to painkillers, but mm. still just throwing ropes and you know putting balls like in the middle of somebody's chest that's going like 90 miles an hour, all that kind of stuff. Like I, that, that's fun. Uh, I've seen Aaron Rodgers again for the last, what, 11 ish years, 12 years now. Um, you know, it, it will be fun to see some, some Brett Favre again and, and stuff like that. So I think that would be a, that would be a fun combination to see. And again, you guys said sharp was just, he was amazing. It got cut short, which really sucked. Uh, especially like in his prime, and I would have loved to see his his whole career play out for the Packers. But I didn't look this up. Be- but what did Favre and Sharp overlap by two, three years? A couple they, years. They had I a think- couple years together. But yeah, it was Favre's early years. It was not not. Prime it was Favre's years. early years, and that was when Sharp got was was targeted like seven hundred and fifty times each each year. Yeah. Right? There was nobody else that he wanted to throw to. So you could have kept that going without the uh the neck injury and that would have been it would have been a lot of fun. So next up we have Brian Hartstead, uh who 
just is is kind of like week after week now is bringing the good questions because he's he's complimenting us first of all and i feel like i, I think he's the one who i told me he was a very handsome man last week yeah and yeah and so it's, it's helping yeah. all of a sudden now we're getting all these extra compliments so uh but he calls us the rock star trio and he wants to know with a new year here it is uh good to reflect on the uh it's good to reflect on our follow-up thirteen and three record. What were, what surprised you the most about the twenty twenty Packers team? Hashtag longtime listener. Hashtag love packaday podcast. Hashtag Wednesday wisdom, which is just outstanding. And hashtag bring on the playoffs. So uh, Brian's definitely all in on the Packers and packaday, which is outstanding. But what was the most surprising thing to you guys this year? So Sarah, we'll start with you. I think, honestly, and this sounds really cliche, but the most surprising thing to me was just how well the offense synced up this year. I think we saw moments last year where we're like, ooh, that could be really, really interesting, or there's something there. But you could tell it was the first year in LaFleur's system, and Rodgers wasn't really confident in it. You could visibly see him and his body language and just how he would be visibly frustrated with people on the field, with coaches on the sideline. And, you know, we heard about all what happened in the offseason that they went through. They basically went through the entire playbook, ripped things out, pulled things back in. They modified plays that were already there with the personnel that they have. And I think, obviously, this year it's been amazing. Rodgers is playing the best that we've seen him in recent years. He's probably going to win the MVP. The offense is one of the highest um, scoring offenses in the league. There's players like Dominic Daphne that two, Dominique Daphne that you know two three weeks ago nobody had ever even heard of them, and now he's catching a touchdown pass. So clearly, whatever they're doing on offense is working. There's players that are getting involved. Tunyon has had an incredible year. He should have made the Pro Bowl. He and obviously Adams set the franchise record for receptions in a year, tied Sharps for touchdowns in a single season and he missed games um, in that stretch too. So just the efficiency of the offense. Yes. You know, we have Aaron Rodgers as our quarterback and we're always going to have a decent offense, but just how far it's come. I think last year we saw there was a lot of times where they won games, but they won them really ugly. And that was a kind of a joke, but it was also the truth. Like they won a lot of ugly games in 2019, but in 2020, they really have just dominated teams and, one convincingly and that that surprised me i didn't expect that big of a jump after one year yeah i'm i'm kind of a sarah actually i mean we talked that was kind of those things uh this off season that was it's year two in the floor system and it was it was all kind of uh you know matt ryan you know had a huge year in that second year in the shanahan system and this was the same thing and so we're likely to see that jump but it was all kind of this you know the the philosophical thing in terms of like, is this actually going to happen or not? Because we, we didn't really know. So seeing it, I actually pulled some numbers up today for something I was writing. Uh, this is all going to be in Cheesehead article that's coming out today. But it's, I mean, the, from last year to this year, what they did is insane. They scored 133 more points this year. 133, that's, that's more than what, that's 8.3 more points per game on average this year than they scored. So that's over a touchdown per game. They're doing better. And then beyond that was just how efficient Rodgers is, which we know he could be good, but it was kind of this, is he going to buy in fully? What's it going to look like? Are they going to fully incorporate this? Or is it going to be some kind of hybrid offense? He attempted, Rodgers attempted 43 fewer passes this year than he did last year. 43 fewer passes. All right. 
in that, even though he, he attempted 43 fewer, he had 19 more completions, 297 more yards. So his yards per attempt jumped by a full yard, 22 more touchdowns and 43 fewer attempts. So it's touchdowns percentage increased by 4.6 points. And then he threw like one more interception. So his interception percentage went up like by 0.3% or something, but like just super highly efficient. All of those numbers, his completion percentage jumped by, I think eight points. It was like, 62 to you know 70 his, TD, like his TD percentage only went up by four points four points four point six percent four point six points yeah wow. you said 22 more touchdowns 22 more touchdowns I, mean, I, could, I, I don't I don't have the percentages in front of me but it's I've, you know I've got it all but it, it jumped by 4.6 points but yeah I mean that's that's the thing it, we knew we hoped anyway that you'd see this second year jump in the system and we we saw it in a way that I mean I I know I hoped for, but certainly didn't think something this big was going to happen. So yeah, that just the, the just the the efficiency and as effective as this was, like pretty much all year, was truly truly amazing. That's that's mine. Very cool. I thought that it was very surprising that Aaron Rodgers had more touchdown passes than J.K. Scott had punts. That's insane. That is something I never would have ever thought would have been humanly possible for for an NFL quarterback and punter. So that was number one thing. And then I will go fully on brand for myself. And I was surprised by the inside linebacker group. Um, <laughs> you you know me. It's It's something I've been harking on for a long, long time. But they they played well, and Kirksey wasn't the answer that everybody thought he was, but you get a, a fourth, fifth-round pick, and you also get a undrafted free agent that all of a sudden just start playing really well, and in and, and Martin and Burns, and all of a sudden – I'm not going to I'm not ready to pronounce it a, like a fully done team like group but uh I, I wouldn't be shocked if Kirksey is not back next year but overall like it's been far better than I would have imagined the group at the beginning of the year so very pleasantly surprised by that group and they have they have rounded out really well and I'm obviously unbelievably happy about that so next up we've got Brandon Barry who says myth busting Go through some of the preseason, early season narratives that turned out to be false. So, Sarah, let's start with you. What was one of the ones that uh, stuck out in your brain? Packers have no weapons. They need more wide receivers. I mean, that, that's one of them. There was a billion, but I think we've we've seen that. And I already talked about it a little bit when I talked about what surprised me, was just how many players were involved and how many people scored this year. I think on a lot of teams, you kind of see the same few people score over the season, but there was every game. It was like, Oh, this person scored. Oh, that person scored or Devonte had three touchdowns today, but everyone else had two touchdowns as well. So, I mean, that was one. Clearly there's a lot of weapons on this team. Yeah. Mine is uh, the floor versus Rogers not getting along. That was, you know, a narrative before LaFleur's first year and they got along just fine and it was fine. And then they draft Jordan Love and then it renewed because it was, well, they're clearly not happy. He clearly, this is short term. He doesn't feel like he can, you know, that him and Rogers aren't getting along together. So it got renewed again. And we all knew it was dumb. The vast majority of us knew it was dumb and it's a dumb narrative. So seeing them, uh, hearing the way Rogers talks about Lafleur and watching them on the sideline, and all that it's and the, the chemistry they have and the fact that they're you know they're winning and putting up massive points, we knew that was a dumb storyline. 
but this season proved just how remarkably dumb that storyline was. That's that was that's my big one. It shouldn't have been a story in the first place. That was killed the previous year, but whatever. All right, so I am actually just thinking about this one now that we were talking about because we talked about a bunch of other ones, but was it this preseason that the article came out about how Mitchell Trubisky was due to contract and everything like that? He was the best quarterback in the NFC North. Was it this one or last one? I can't remember if that. I keep seeing it pop up. I can't remember if this was if that was this year or last year, but it was recent-ish. Okay. So it was that one, and then we also if that was the if it was this year, that was a very very ridiculous one, obviously. Uh, but there was also the ones about how um, the Bears were going to run away with the division, the Vikings were going to run away with the division. I don't think I ever saw anybody write that the Lions would run away with the division, <laughs> no. but you know, the Vikings were just going to run over the Packers, the the Bears were going to run over the Packers, and it was just. It was nonstop hate about the Packers and how they were going to get like eight and a half wins or something along those lines. So it was always very funny because we all had faith in the Packers that they would win. Maybe we didn't think they'd go 13 and three again, but we all had some faith in the Packers that they that, that they would deliver again. So. All right. Uh, DJ wants to know any chance that the Packers can restructure 12's contract and see and uh, free up cap space to re-sign 33. Um, so move the base salary to a roster bonus. So this is something that is possible. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if you have any of these type of questions. Again, Ken Inglis is your guy to contact yeah. on Twitter. He always replies to everybody. Uh, he's, he's awesome. We've, uh, we've talked about trying to get together and hopefully maybe in the off season, we'll be able to do a, a multi, like a multi podcast between the three, between the two of us, uh, on the unknown Packers podcast. So, um, it is possible, and they can free up cap space. Again, this the thing that happens is you're pushing if if you take a uh, if you take the the salary and turn it into a bonus. What you're doing is guaranteeing it and pushing it down the road and and creating a bigger uh, dead cap number. So if they were to do that for this this upcoming year, basically that will lower his base salary for this year all the way up to i think he could say like 1.52 2 million for the year but then you're basically guaranteeing that next year uh in 2022 aaron Rodgers is guaranteed a spot on your roster so for all the jordan love conspiracy theorists like it's it's a whole thing so it, it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out if they're trying to create that space but let's say they do take 20 million dollars of his his uh his salary and turn it into a a bonus well that's awesome and you would think that would buy them so much cap space but the packers are going to be like 25 million dollars over the cap at the moment because of the lowered cap from COVID. so it'll be interesting to see it's a possibility i'm not sure how they would do it but i would say again ken would be your guy to talk to because he knows he knows way more than i do so Next up, Brian Clemente saw a post that said the Packers were interviewing Adam Gase two years ago today. What do you think the Packers' record would be this year with Gates as a coach instead of LaFleur, assuming nothing else changes? And what would LaFleur's record be if he was the Jets coach? Uh, Brian's living in, like, alternate universes, and I, just, I love this. This is a great question. So, Sarah, let's start with you. If Adam Gase is the coach of the Packers, what would their record be today? 
Oh God, I don't want to think about this reality, this alternate reality. Um, maybe like mm, uh, nine and seven. I think that they would be good, but they wouldn't be great. And I don't think they would be terrible because they have you know pieces that are always going to be good no matter what team they're on. Um, but yeah, I don't think the offense would be nearly as creative as it is now. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't like thinking about that. Uh, so I'm going to go with nine and seven. And if uh, Matt LaFleur was the coach of the Jets, I think he would be three and 13, maybe. I don't know that, that it's trouble. There, there's a lot of trouble over there. I think I'm with Sarah on the Packers. I think eight and eight, nine and seven sounds about right. Just cause it's, it's Gase. I mean, honestly, maybe he gets fired after the first year, you know, so maybe he doesn't make it to year two. Like, who knows? But, like, there's still talent, and Rodgers is still Rodgers, and having an elite, elite quarterback goes a long way. And, and having a number one wide receiver goes a long way. So unless you totally alienate them and they revolt and they refuse to play, which, you know, maybe, who knows, there's some strong personalities in there. Um, I, I think you I think you get to eight and eight, nine and seven just based on that. Uh, I think LaFleur does better with the Jets than Sarah does. I think, um, you know, Darnold is young. I think especially in year two, I think the offense, I think, I think Darnold, you know, I don't think he's amazing, but kind of a raw deal over there. You know, a lot of guys have. So I think he progresses nicely in his second year. Uh, they have, you know, a little bit of talent over there. I think, uh, you know, they're not, they're not challenging the division or anything, but let's give them uh let's give them six and 10 or, you know, seven and nine. If they're feeling froggy a little bit, I think, I think the big thing is how Darnold is viewed. I think, the second year in this offense, I think Darnold is is seen as an up and coming quarterback as opposed to they're going to draft someone to replace him. Um, I think that's that's that that would be the big difference with that. And I think the biggest thing, like you guys pointed out a little bit, but it's it's the mentality of the teams and the Packers are trying to win and the Jets were trying to lose. And so you flip those things around and if you throw Adam Gates out of the Packers and you have Aaron Rodgers, honestly, I'd say ten and six. I would say that Aaron Rodgers can get you eight wins. And I think Adam Gase with Cutler a few times, like, looked pretty good. And if you give him some weapons, you tell him, hey, we want you to win. I think I think you'd be OK. I know it's uh, it's kind of crazy to say. And again, I'm more on Dusty's side with LaFleur um, in in the, with the Jets. But it's you almost feel bad on some level for Gaze. You, you don't really feel bad, but on some level, just because like they were they were full on tank mode and all of a sudden he screwed it up by winning two games and then got fired. So, uh you kind of almost felt like it was like, well, we'll hire we'll hire Adam Gaze. We'll he'll he'll lose we'll make him lose for two years by giving him just a crap team and then uh, we'll hire the next head coach and and go from there. So, I think LaFleur would have been a little bit better than him, um but still they're uh, they're still on that level of they were trying to lose and um, I'm, I'm happy with the way that everything went, but um, yeah, maybe three, maybe four wins for Lafleur with the Jets, just because the scheme would be a little bit different. But overall, they like the Jets aren't weren't trying to put themselves in a position to win. So, see, I don't think they're trying to lose. I think they're just the Jets. Like, I think they brought yeah, Gase I- over because Gase was seen as like a QB whisperer. I mean, that was the narrative coming in. He worked with Manning. Manning had very good years under him. You mentioned Cutler. Yeah, they drafted they drafted Darnold early. This was going to be the guy to bring him along. They spent big money on Le'Veon Bell, like, I, <laughs> and they traded him. Yeah, well, yeah, because or cut him, whatever they because, because they suck. You don't want to be there anymore. Like, I think 
I think they were trying to win, but they just couldn't because they were bad and they made a bad hire. Like, I, I give Grace Gase zero credit, zero credit for that at all. Like that, I I don't feel bad for him. I don't think they were trying to lose when they hired him. I just think he's a bad coach, a decent offensive coordinator, maybe bad head coach. That's fair. I, I mean, I don't disagree with anything you said there. <laughs> All right, next up, we've got Casey. If you guys could have one guy healthy for the playoff run besides Bakhtiari, who would it be? And thinking Raven Green for Casey. Um, Dusty, who would you think? Yeah, I'm, I'll go DeGuara. I mean, we talked to him a lot early. He looked good in week one. And then, you know, he went down with an injury, and that sucked. Um we're seeing Daphne. Daphne's doing some nice things out there, and I like Daphne just fine. Uh, Deguara would be a superpowered version of that, that same role. Um, and we saw, you know, Lovett was in that role after Deguara went down. Both those guys are fine. But, like, is just on a different level. They drafted him for a very specific thing that we're seeing be very good now. And I think this offense gets taken up even another notch with, with Deguara in there. So I think uh, I'm excited to see him next year. But I think him – in this offense now, uh, I think would just be just be incredible. I think, you know, I know Casey mentioned Raven Green in the question. I think that's definitely a good one. I think Montrevious Adams is another one to consider. Um, and then also Tyler Irvin. He was awesome when he was um, not hurt and he was healthy earlier in the year. And you really saw with the jet sweeps, he was just everything seemed to flow better when he was there. And also on special teams, um, it just, I felt a little more comfortable on punt and kick (laughs) returns, knowing that he was there to receive it. Um, So heading into the playoffs right now and hoping for a a deep playoff run and a a chance at the Super Bowl, I would really not like it if I had, if I didn't have to like sit there and clench my fist and be really nervous whenever um, the Packers were ready to receive, because right now it's not good. Oh my God. I feel like Sarah's got like the, the Arthur fist going on anytime. There's uh... <laughs> She just did it on video. She had it like right up by her face. I was so outstanding. And actually, uh, before we even talked about this, Sarah and I were on the same page. Like, Swerve would be the guy that I would want back. I would want him fully ready to go. Like, I, I think Tavon Austin is fine. Like, I think he's he's can do well. Like, they're putting him into that same position. And they're, you know, we'll do a couple of, uh, you know, the, the throw, the parallel throw to him that is technically a pass, but basically a run. And they'll do a couple of those. And I still feel comfortable with him returning punts, returning kicks. Like, it one fumble like it, it happens it's not that big a, to me not that big a deal so i feel comfortable with that but i would feel more comfortable with uh with Irvin back there so that would be mine uh let's see we've got next up uh, i didn't really know if i should read his name or his at because they both have the same thing but let's just go with it wap daddy wants mm-hmm. to know thoughts on a potential third game with chicago so let's just move past the name. Dusty, what are you thinking? What would happen in the third game with Chicago? Uh, the Packers win. I mean, there's this, there's a narrative, and I keep meaning to look into it um, to see if it still holds true or not, but there's been a narrative for years that is, uh, you know, it's it's really hard to beat the same team three times in a year. Uh, so that happens, you know, if you if you have a divisional opponent, you meet him in the playoffs. I don't know if that's actually true. And also, I mean, it, it clearly varies from year to year based on strength of team. I mean, listen, it would be the third time they'd seen him. So there is, you know, there's on both sides, there's, there's knowledge gained, but also it's still 
you know, a 13 and three Packers team up against the eight and eight Bears team that we know the Packers can beat. So, I mean, I think there's a little concern there. Steve, you mentioned it. You said it last week when we were kind of breaking down the game that it's division rivals throughout the records, throughout the stats. It doesn't really matter. There's always weirdness, which, which is true. Um, but traditionally, uh, Rogers has also owned the Bears. So, I mean, I, I think I'd have concern just because it's a playoff game, but I don't think any more if it's the Bears rather than any other opponent. I think I'd be more concerned with, with the Bucks at this point just based on how the earlier season matchup went. But, uh, yeah, I think that's how I'd feel about it. I don't think that the Bears are going to win um, in the first <laughs> round of the playoffs, so I don't think there even is going to be a third potential game with a Chicago, but if there is, uh, I'm with Dusty. The Packers are going to win. They're all around. They're the better team. They they prove that in every aspect of the game, they're pretty much outplaying the Bears and that they have every single time they played them throughout the entire season. So, yeah, I think Green Bay would be fine if the Bears wanted to come and give them a visit at Lambeau Field. They, they I think they'd Aaron Rodgers would have a great time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things, like you said, Dusty, it, there, there's that narrative of you. it's very difficult to beat a team three times. I mean, the Packers dominated the Bears in both games. It, the score was a little close in, what, second or third quarter for this last game. Mm-hmm. But, there, I mean, it was overall domination. And there, I'm not, I would not be worried about it. But the first time I saw this question, I had this, like, I, I made a joke with Sarah and Dusty. I was like, whoa. You're not being the Saints in New Orleans, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> um, I mean, Mitchell Trubisky is trying to get a, try to throw a touchdown. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's going to happen. That's really going to happen. But maybe, maybe he will. Maybe he'll get them to the second round. They'll get their asses kicked by the Packers, but that will secure his extension with the Bears. So, I mean, we're if we're thinking positively, that's what we would really, really enjoy. I take it. Next up, we've got Daniel Kotnick. This is one of my favorite questions. And what's one food from a movie or TV show that you would bring into the real world? Dusty, we're going to start with you. All right. So my original answer was going to be Gut Busters, which was a creation by uh, by Hal from Malcolm in the Middle. And you can actually make those. So I'm not going to go through all that. What I'm going with, I'm going a little off book. I'm going with it just because of the commercials it would go with. So I'm going to go with it's Cheddar Goblin Mac and Cheese. So uh, I assume neither of you guys have seen the movie Mandy. Mandy's kind of this weird kind of almost like heavy metal commercial made into a movie art housey but not really art housey psychedelic trip starring nick cage the horror movie that came out last year so there's a scene in there where he goes home and he's just watching just absently on tv and there's a commercial for what's called cheddar goblin mac and cheese and it's just simple mac and cheese and the cheddar goblin is this creature that kind of looks like if you remember the horror movie ghoulies from the 80s looks like a ghoulie and just the commercial is just this cheddar goblin vomiting mac and cheese over the heads of these children tremendous commercial tremendous commercial it's um it was actually created by uh casper kelly uh who if you remember the too many cooks thing that was on adult swimmer cartoon network years ago it's that same creator tremendous commercial absolutely kills me i've watched that segment a thousand times so i want cheddar goblin mac and cheese for the commercials if nothing else hey everyone i want to tell you about blue wire hustle a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at blue wire hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start hustle is the perfect place for you as part of the program you'll receive personal cover art Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. 
And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. Interesting. Um, well, moving on. Uh, <laughs> I First of all, I love this question. So thank you for asking this, Daniel. Mine would be the Krabby Patty, just because as a child, like I grew up with SpongeBob and I always just wanted to know, like, what is the secret recipe? Why does everyone love the Krabby Patty so much? So I would definitely want to bring that into my reality. But a close second would be Kevin from The Office's Chili. Um, just because I, I feel like that would be interesting. So I was struggling with this one and we were kind of going back and forth on something and then something popped in my mind that was the most amazing one ever. So uh, I decided to go with the meat tornado burrito from <laughs> Parks and Rec. And if it's good enough for Andy and Ron from Parks and Rec, you can just sign me the hell up. That is exactly what I want. But uh, Dusty tweeted or didn't tweet it, but he sent us sent us the link of how to make it. And I'm just reading the article and this is the best thing I've ever seen. It says this week we christen in the new BWB kitchen with a third part of an epic Parks and Rec trilogy, the Meat Tornado. After consulting with a doctor of nutrition to ensure that our creation could be potentially lethal, we set out to make a two-pound burrito stuffed with carne asada, carnitas, tinga de pollo, and inappropriately spicy last dub triple X. So, (laughs) I mean, you, you sold me. It's two pounds of meat wrapped in a tortilla and it's deliciousness so if i could bring something to life i think i would definitely do that so that uh that seems like an outstanding outstanding food to eat next up we've got our good buddy eric rose who wants to know with dusty coming in sixth in the power in the packers twitter sphere power rankings how have you two kept him grounded this week? So full disclosure, I didn't know what this was while Eric asked it, so I, I was fully on board now. Um, I'm, I'm very upset that I was not included in this, even though I don't put out any Packers content besides this podcast. Um, I don't know. Do we have to – we normally don't have to keep Dusty too grounded. I, I mean, there's some snarky comments here and there. Um <laughs> But for the most part, he, he keeps himself grounded. Like, yeah. I feel like I feel like we have to like prop him up a little bit, and then I feel bad about myself that I'm propping him up. So mm-hmm. it's almost something that like comes back on me, which I don't really enjoy. So Dusty's We're all not caught in a very there. weird cycle. Uh, is is kind of what this amounts to? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, the thing is, we mess with each other all the time, and we always give each other a hard time, but. Like, Dusty absolutely deserves to be on that list. Like, the content that he puts out and what he brings to these podcast episodes is incredible. So, I mean, he, he deserves to be there. So, good job, Dusty. Thank oh, you. See, sure. and now I feel weird about it. So, um, <laughs> thank you. 
No, I, I am looking. I am looking to see if he should be higher. Zach Cruz, really? Mm. Schneidman wears like he wears track suits. See, Cruz is good. I mean, the the you know, so the ranking if you if you don't if you've never followed along is Ollie Murray put it out uh, guy on Twitter. It was Andy Herman one, Ben Fennel two, Nagler three, Schneidman four, Cruz five. Me at six. Ken Ingles, who we talked earlier, uh, is on seven. Perry at Perry Goldstein at eight. Peter Bukowski at nine, and Maggie Loney at ten. I mean, that's a solid, solid group. Um, Peter's uh, Peter's comment on it that I enjoyed was he wanted to move him down to ten and just put Maggie above him because Perry and Maggie should never be separated. Uh, which I, you know, Fair I point. enjoyed that. I thought that was a good point. But all right, uh, Eric's actual question. Uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit with the emergence of Barnes and potential of Martin is inside the linebacker finally off the need list. I, I mean, I'll take this one for sure. I'm going to say no. Um, if Kirksey, which I think is going to be cut after this year, that would make sense to me. Then they definitely need to bring in somebody else. And it's probably going to be a mid-level later round draft pick on that um that would that would happen because you'll get them cheaper but if kirksey's gone to save that money you definitely need somebody else like you've got a good base now i feel but um with with martin being there but and and barnes is an undrafted free agent so his he doesn't have like the long guaranteed contract that that martin does like you you need somebody else like a backup and obviously i I believe orrin perks is gonna be gone after this year as well and so it's it's uh you're you're solidified at least where you don't need the starters but you definitely need that depth which the Packers have been really good about about doing so I think that that's the case for the inside linebacker group and his final aspect is for Bourbon what is the best accompaniment to a good one so Dusty we'll start with you what's uh what's something goes that goes well with Bourbon for you uh, Sarah actually came up with the best answer for this. I'm going to steal it because she doesn't drink, and the best answer is just uh, it's it's silence, man. It's just uh, just a dark room and a good horror movie and just silence. That's that's the answer. All right, so I just want to be clear. What you're saying is you sit in a dark room mm. watching horror movies of people mm. dying yeah. while you drink bourbon by yourself. That's what I'm doing now. You, I'm just happen to be talking to you two as well. So yes, that is what I am saying. What's the sound on you. Uh, well, you can't have the horror sounds up, otherwise the kids will wake up. So it's That's legitimately true. him sitting in a room watching a movie with no sound of people dying while drinking bourbon. Okay. That's why he stands higher up on that list. <laughs> See, and that's how they. That's how they keep me grounded, Eric. It's murder <laughs> tendencies, yes. <laughs> and for me, I would say uh, I will go full on with the Parks and Rec aspect of it. And I will say not a charcuterie board, but I would say a, a glass of bourbon and a meat board, like smoked meats, all that kind of stuff. That would be, a, you know, just something I can pick up a little bit here and there and and have that with, with some bourbon. That'd be that'd be really good. But normally I don't, I don't eat a lot of stuff when I'm drinking bourbon. I don't do it with dinner. I don't do it like that. But... Um, yeah, that, I mean, if if I am gonna be eating something with it, I think that would be that would be something I would be enjoying quite a bit. So, Jordan Walsh wants to know where did AJ Dillon go against the Bears, and what is your perfect mix from the running back stable? This is how he would break up the carries responsibility with uh, Aaron Jones fifty percent 
plus design pass game touches. Uh, Jamal Williams, 15% plus plays in the pass protection. And Dylan, 35% rushes. So I've talked about this a little bit more where I think they're going to be they'll, – they'll throw him out a little bit more in the playoffs, but they didn't want to throw anything out week 17, give more tape on him. So I'll, I'll kind of let you guys talk about this. But, Sarah, what are you thinking? Where's What's the usage look, for, look like for the running back group? For me, uh, Jones fifty percent, but I would, I would swap what he has for Williams and Dylan right now, and give Williams thirty five, and then Dylan fifteen percent, just because I think Dylan would be used in a very spe- in very specific situations. So on a goal line play, he might be used, or we saw against the Titans on some third and shorts, he was really successful. So I think that's the kind of areas that we'll see him. While you have both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, you have to use them. They're both great. They're both Their strengths are in different areas, so you know, they complement each other really well. And then having Dylan in there to kind of move off of them, finish up some plays um, is huge. So I would go Jones 50%, uh, Williams 35 and Dylan 15 yeah, and I didn't really work out the percentages. I mean, I'd, I'd see some overlaps for sure just because they, they do go with that two-back system. But I, I am very much of the mind that I think, uh, you know, I like Jamal Williams. I like the energy he brings. I like uh, kind of how he transformed his game a little bit. But I, I think there's a ceiling to, to how good he is, and we've seen that. Like, he's not as strong as Dylan. He's not as dynamic as Jones. Like, he's you can win with him for sure. But I think we saw from Dylan in the Titans game what he can do, not just in the passing game, uh, but also in the – or not just in the running game, but also in the passing game, just to his hands. Um, that was a question about him coming in the drafts, whether he could catch because he didn't have a whole lot of opportunities in college. I think he's got, it seems like he's got natural hands, a uh, good receiver out of the backfield. I'd, I'd certainly give him more than Williams. I, I like they, they did a little bit of that this past week, not a ton. I think um, Dylan was on the field for five snaps, but they kind of had a dual backfield look with, uh, with Jones and Dylan. I really like the opportunities that opens up. You have – the athleticism, the, the as dynamic as Jones can be in the passing game, and then Dylan that commands you know a little more um, commitment to to that front seven to stop him in the run game than Williams does. I think that matchup there. I think I, I was always kind of operating under the put Jones and Williams on the field at the same time because I like that mix that gives you and then Dylan comes in as that single back and when you need to run and do whatever and then he just kind of is the hammer but I think what he gives you in the passing game is enough to make them respect it but what he gives in the running game demands a ton of respect to where you put him and Jones on the field at the same time and I think that opens up a bunch of stuff so um, I, I I don't feel like doing the percentages but I mean I think you know Jones 60 to 70 percent uh, get Dylan out there more than Williams that's that'd be my mix it's kind of weird, but I'm, I'm I'm like the Michael Scott uh, gif of the, where he's like claps his hands like, thank you. That's exactly like weirdly like I was very, very similar in everything I was thinking of. Like I, I really enjoyed the, the Jones Dylan backfield at the same time where you run Jones behind Rogers and can can do that. And then, you know, potentially run a screen back to the left side to Jones or to, to Dylan and, and things like that. Like I think when you say percentages, you're talking about trying to keep one guy on the field at the same time or one guy on the field at at once mm-hmm. but the pat what the packers need to be doing is is completely just like intermingling those groups and figuring and continually figuring out what the best way to work that is, is and, and getting those things in and i believe that that's going to happen more in the playoffs i really do like i know we've talked about well everybody talked about getting dylan more more touches during the season and, and it didn't happen until injuries but i feel like that it's something they just 
when you get that game with the Titans, like that's something that they're going to use in the playoffs more. But Dusty, Sarah, you both pretty much hit the head, uh, like hit the nail on the head with everything I wanted to say. So we'll just we'll just move on. Uh, William Ledford uh, knows the brand of this podcast and wants to know the most overhyped bourbon you've had or bought. So, Sarah, let's start with you. Oh, no, let's not start with you. Have you ever bought a bottle of bourbon, Sarah? No, of course not. I'm just curious. You said you've had a couple of drinks here and there, some wine and stuff, right? Yeah, I drink wine, but that's a little different from bourbon. <laughs> that's very different, but I'm just saying. I, I, it was a question I had. I didn't know if you've ever bought a, maybe a gift for, you know, somebody in your life or something like that. You know, <laughs> Dusty, you know, and, and Steve could be somebody mm. that, that could be mm-hmm. purchased for and yeah. shipped across state lines. That's a good point. Dusty, let's start with you. Uh, what is something – actually – Go ahead. You take this one because we both we're both on the same level. Yeah. No. Yeah. When this question came in, I was like, I know what mine is, and Steve said, mine's the same as yours. It's Blanton's. It's Blanton's. Listen, Blanton's is perfectly fine. Um, it's if you can find it retail, it's like sixty some odd dollars. That's too much. That's too much. It's fine. There's better bourbons. We had. Um, I have a friend of mine who's a big bourbon guy, and for the Super Bowl two years ago, he brought over. He had a blind taste test of like six bourbons or something, and we ranked them. And he is very anti Blantons, very much against Blantons. So he smiled with delight when we ranked Blantons on a blind taste test, last out of six, and had like a twelve dollar bottle above Blantons. He was like, "See, see what I told you." So uh, yeah, I'm very much uh, Blantons. Fine, way overrated, way overpriced. Yeah, if it was regularly available and it was thirty bucks, cool. That that wouldn't be too no. bad. But uh, for the the level of trying to find it and the the way that people like do all the trades and do everything for it, like it's just it's not great. Like I, I don't love it. It's it's not something I would I'm ever gonna try to buy. Like I bought one, the last one I bought I bought because I found it at Total Wine and Liquor and it was seventy dollars and it has the bag and the box with it and i'm trading it for a stag junior so uh that that tells you exactly how much That's i what have it is. a it's bottle a, of it's a trade chip. in the back row it's half full and it'll be half full for a long time <laughs> and i'm trading this other bottle because i don't want to drink the rest of the other blend so there's plenty of other good stuff that you can find um they have I mean, kudos to Blands because they do an outstanding marketing job, however they've done it, to the point where everybody can't find it and they want it. But, again, both of us kind of agree it's – I don't really understand why. Yeah. So. Cool bottle. All right. it, it is, is cool a cool bottle. It's a good bottle. Uh, the Willet bottle that is the pot still is also a good bottle. Mm-hmm. I like that one as well. So uh dusty i'm we're actually running really long at this point so mm-hmm. i'm going to give you the question do you want the question about uh the safety play or do you want the question about lafleur shanahan and mcveigh safety play would be easier let's do that safety play. okay because that's something you could write an article about if you really wanted to so yeah all right uh this one is from devian sheehan and wants to know i understand that what it means to have a center fielder safety versus a box safety but I'm not sure what it means to have a safety play in a robber role. Can someone walk me through that and why Savage has been so effective in that role as compared to the other safety roles? 
right. So, I mean, there's a thousand things that go into this. So this is not, you know, true 100 percent of the time. But generally speaking, so, you know, center fielder versus box, that's, you know, single high. That's your center fielder guy. You've got the either cover three or cover one, but you've got the, the single high guy and the box guy then plays, you know, with the front seven or, or kind of beyond the front seven. So when you're talking robber, robbers, typically something that they talk about as far as like someone rotating down. So if you're showing a showing a, as we'll say, too high look pre-snap and then post-snap, one guy rotates back and the other guy drops down. That's a robber. You're 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 plugging a hole, or you're 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 playing down in the zone where they did not expect you to play. Is essentially what you're what you're doing. That's that's robber. It's rotating down when they did not expect you to rotate down. And now you think like what Savage is doing. It's not exactly what say Woodson was doing for the 2010 team. Woodson was in kind of what they call a joker role and Hyde kind of did that for a little bit as well, which is kind of a, you just, you place that guy all over. And I think Savage is kind of more like that. He is kind of, he, they they are doing some of that robber stuff where he is kind of playing closer to the line, not necessarily in run support, but more to kind of like what kind of trick the, uh, the, the quarterback to be somewhere where they don't expect him to be. But I, I think of Savage is just, uh, just a habit creator, man. Like you, you stick him somewhere and let him use his instincts. I think that's that's where he's really good at that. So if we're just if we're talking specifically robber, that's essentially what it is. When they say robber, it's it's a guy that rotates down into a spot where you don't really expect him to rotate down. It's it's again more to it, but also generally speaking, it kind of is as simple as that. Well, that's definitely more in depth than Sarah and I would have gone. So this yeah. is uh this is exactly why Dusty is number six on the list of the uh Right. The- the Twitter word, yeah. Exactly. He learned from Dusty, even though we do the podcast with him. You know he's good. So mm-hmm. thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, let's end with a little bit of fun one. Scottish Packers fan wants to know uh, when are you going to follow twelve and start giving some Scotch advice as well as bourbon. I guess I can start there. Sarah, do you want to start there? Do you do Scotch? I know you don't do bourbon. Do you do Scotch? Negative. Uh, <laughs> I keep trying, I keep trying, but we want to, we want to be inclusive with you as well, but mm-hmm. you just you won't you won't participate with us. It's kind of disappointing. <laughs> anyway, I've uh, I think I've had scotch once in my life and just wasn't a fan of it, but again, that was like 15 years ago, so maybe uh for for you buddy Scottish Packers fan, I will uh, I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can uh, rustle up, but Dusty has some right now, so mm-hmm. Why don't you give more uh, advice on, on scotch there, Dusty? Yeah, I mean, I like scotch fine. I kind of transitioned to bourbon um, just because I live in Kentucky and I, one of my good friends is a big bourbon guy. And so he has me try more. So I got turned on to bourbon more. But I like to have like a bottle of scotch around if, if I can. And so the one I'm drinking now, I can't remember if it's Grangestone or something like it's perfectly fine. I think that the the, um, the the flavor profile, we'll say of scotch can be way more varied than bourbon, which is why I, I try to get a different bottle just because you do get kind of different taste to it but it can also if you don't know what you're getting can be really varied i had some really good stuff and some really bad stuff um let's let if you want to do a recommendation let's do a recommendation uh belvini double wood i think you can usually get a bottle for like uh 50 bucks or something so you know mid-level scotch or something you can get 500 bottle of scotch i don't know uh belvini double wood is uh is a really good bottle in that price range um hit and miss below you know 30 to 40 bucks if you want to go lower than that but for that price range get you some belvini double wood that's that's uh that's a decent scotch that you know i feel like i can afford on occasion <laughs> after you say that name all i want to say is that's what she said i don't know why but it seems to work for me so sure sure i that, that, that's fine. That works as well. Put that in. That's in the recommendation as well. Brand. That is also on brand for me. So, 
Well, that will uh, wrap it up. Thank you guys, as always, for the questions. Uh, we always appreciate it. Um, follow us on Twitter at Dusty Evely, at Sarah Keller, for at Steve Peratch, and at Packaday Podcast. But uh, let's wrap things up here bef- uh, for the bye week. Sarah, what's uh, your final thoughts? Yeah, so I will not have a game recap this week. Just like the Packers, I have a bye week. So that's really fun. I'm just going to watch a bunch of the other games and not have to stress about um, how the Packers are playing or what I should include in my recap. But thank you to you guys for following along all throughout the regular season. I'm excited to hopefully have a few more recaps um, that I can squeeze in this year with hopefully a long and deep playoff run and obviously – a potential Super Bowl run as well. So really excited about that. And then since I don't have a game recap, I wanted to give a uh, some advice on a movie that you everyone should watch, and that's Soul, uh, Pixar's new movie Soul. Um, it's on Disney Plus. If you have that, it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I know Pixar. I love like every Pixar movie, but this one was just especially after like a really challenging 2020. It just really put things into perspective. Um, I felt like it came out at the perfect time. So if you want to start your new year off right, definitely Soul. It's a great movie. I I second that completely. It's outstanding. All right. Um, I've I've not seen it yet. That's been on my list. I've heard nothing but amazing things, but uh, I haven't got a chance to watch that yet. Um, I guess I need to do that during the bye week. Makes sense. Um, All right. For me, uh, kind of normal stuff. I've got, you know, all my writing, which next week, I'm not sure what I'm doing next week. Uh, maybe I'll look ahead at the next opponent. I'm not entirely sure. But for this week, we're looking back. Man, regular season finale is a good week. It was a good week. So, or at Packer Report, yesterday I had a piece on play-action bootleg and a couple of variants. Uh, the, one of the fun things I really liked about this week that I was kind of hoping was, you know, it's week 17, it's the Bears, and you're trying to win because you need that one seed. But you also want to put some different wrinkles on tape going into the playoffs. Just something else for teams to consider. Packers did that. Play action bootleg is a big core concept of theirs. They run it multiple times a game and they ran it uh, two different ways this past week that I had not seen all season. And so just another wrinkle for teams to consider. Uh, So that was a lot of fun. That was on Packer Report yesterday. Today I'm breaking down Trubisky's interception, which was fun in that the Packers did positively nothing special on it. Uh, They just kind of played straight up defense, no deception, no late rush. It was a four-man rush, and Trubisky just threw a bad throw anyway. But I get get to dig into it a little bit, and that was a funner play to break down than I thought I was going to. Um, So that's a good one. And then today at Cheesehead TV, I've got uh, Passing Chronicles. So again, kind of some, you know, random concepts, no huge theme this week. But I do get to kind of, I dig into um, this concept that I've been, I've been, you know, thinking about a lot lately, but I've not really talked about too much has been this, how progressions, progressions within a passing concept itself are built in, not just to find the open man, but also to open up guys further in the progression. So on the Daphne touchdown, I get to talk about that, how the first two reads in that progression are not only just to look at those guys, but how how those the looking at those guys move the eyes and move the bodies of the linebackers to allow that third read to get back. So get to talk about that a little bit, which is fun. And then I also get to talk a little bit about the uh, kind of philosophical difference between McCarthy's offense and the floor's offense and how Rogers being in both of those helped make him kind of the best version of this offense. Kind of Rogers taking 
that progression-based offense from LaFleur and the matchup-based offense from McCarthy and kind of blending those together and, and still taking those matchups when he could. So, you know, I don't dig into that a ton, but I do get to talk about that a little bit. So that's a fun way to kind of cap the year, I thought, and and a lot of people would ask me about it. I do get into the Tunyon touchdown there as well, which is a, a mesh concept, but again, kind of like the PA boot, it's a mesh concept that we I hadn't really seen them run so far this year. It's kind of a... <laughs> They really use a Mercedes Lewis that just kind of bowl a couple guys over on a, on a shallow drag after pulling them up on a uh, play action. So it was fun. I mean, overall, really fun week. They they didn't have a whole lot of snaps. I think Rogers had twenty six dropbacks. I think they had forty some odd snaps overall. Um, like really like low forty six snaps. Yeah, yeah. I think their lowest snaps of the year, uh, just because the Bears. That's what killed me. The Bears did everything right, man. They did everything right and still lost by multiple touchdowns. Uh, so this, it was a really fun week to look back on for multiple reasons. But Packers did a lot of fun stuff. So again, I don't know what I'm doing next week, but uh, it was a, just a fun season to write up, and the, they they really capped it off really well. And I've got honestly, I got nothing. I I had a rant that I was gonna go on, but this this podcast has been so much fun, and like I I've, I love talking with you guys about it. it. It just doesn't need to happen right now. I can save it. I can bottle it up for a time that I need it. Uh, it's always gonna be there, Steve. It's always exactly. It. <laughs> it, it'll be there whenever whenever I need it. Um, also. You know, I've got the uniform stuff backed up. Like, I wanted to do uniform talk when we didn't have anything to talk about, but Dusty and Sarah would not allow it. And uh, they shot me down pretty damn quick on that one. So I've got those things saved up for the off season, and we'll be good. But it's just been, it's been a fun week to uh, just bask in the fact that the Packers are the one seed. Um, and it's a new year. There's good things happening out in the world. There's a vaccination, hopefully, that we can figure out how to get that out into the world and and get back to normal. Um, I'd, I'd like to go to a Packers game this year, and I'd like to do a lot of fun things. So yeah. hopefully those things will all happen, and we'll be doing that, you know, with the, uh, the 32nd pick in the NFL draft this year. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to good things this year, and uh, I'm appreciative of, of Dusty. I'm appreciative of Sarah. It's a lot of fun to do this with them every week. And to you guys who listen to this every week with us. So we love you. We appreciate it all. Uh, Can't wait to do some more breakdown for the playoff game with you guys. But that's going to wrap it up for us. We'll talk to you next week. And as always, Go Pack Go! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.